Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good? We got a little housekeeping to take care of, bud. We missed some things. Okay. I hate when yeah. we do that, but that does sound like something we would do. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say it's part of our brand promise, but it's just the reality of our brand, I guess, mm-hmm. if that's a thing. It's it's on the front page for sure. <laughs> Maybe a little like a, a third inserted, indented bullet point, but yeah, it's on there. Like if Jerry Maguire put together a mission statement about us, it is probably including us fucking things up and forgetting things. Yeah, it's on the board. We missed the halfway point in the run. So there are 106 oh. episodes in total. This is the 56th episode. Well, I mean, I can be absolved of that because it involves numbers. So there's no way I would have known that was going to happen. You actually get double absolution because the halfway point episode 53 was the one that broke your heart when Penny Posen broke bad. There there was some emotional instability going on that week for your boy. That's that's certainly true. I have, however, no excuse. So I got I to gotta take the L on this one. The second thing, an episode passed, maybe even two, we hadn't said anything, got a text message from best friend of the pod, Josh Demel, Oh, wondering, wondering why we didn't congratulate him on his engagement. So congratulations, Josh. Hey, good work, bud. I I had not heard of it, so there's my excuse. Uh, I actually didn't either until front of the podcast. Lindsay was the actual person who texted and said, did you know that your best friend got engaged? Uh, second thing, though, in his life that he was upset we didn't mention, he's taking over Mighty Ducks season two. I we did. You and I did talk about that. We were going to mention it at some point, and I guess just never did. But yeah, he's so is he the new Gordon Bombay because. Emilio hates vaccines. Is that what happened? Correct. Uh, And I guess uh, to honor our commitment to Spotify, we'll now have to have a content warning at the start of this that we are discussing COVID-19. So we may be susceptible to misinformation claims. But I don't know if he is new Gordo, like if they recast or if they're going to write out Gordo and bring in. He's actually a younger associate at Gordon Bombay's former law firm who also got a DUI and is now being thrown to these terrible hockey children. His, his, uh, his case was hung up in the system, kept percolating, and eventually a judge was like, enough's enough. Let's try this thing. And this was his, uh, his sentence was community service. Oh, always convenient. DUI ex machina. <laughs> as, as we are wont to say on the show. <laughs> well, hey, get, Josh, just living the dream. Good work, man. Yeah, doing great. Um, I am looking forward to the bachelor party, so I'll keep you all posted how that goes. Uh, it should be a hoot. It really should be, you know, his shooting schedule permitting. Yeah. And I mean, you can't keep us fully abreast of what goes on. No. You know, it is a bachelor no. party, of course. Emphasis on abreast. Hey, oh, that's the wordplay we were looking for. And on that note, it is season three, episode nine, Moth Woman. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? We open on a cell-shaded skyline of Vegas. And while I acknowledge I am past the age where it's socially acceptable for me to have TV and movie posters on my wall, I want this GST comic cover of Vegas very badly. We're gonna we're gonna get a lot of the comic book motif coming in and out of commercials. It's a good bit. I it's really good. It's really good. We quickly zoom to the casino where it's 
the return of the feline storage solution. But instead of coupons, it is stolen merchandise in the form of money, chips, wallets, etc. Yeah, the uh, the kitty cat purse is doing a lot more work this time. Uh, I did appreciate the cat scratch fever playing in the background as the sexy cat lady was going around just robbing dudes blind. I was looking for the guy with the vest with the speakers in it. I didn't see it. So I guess it was house music. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, it's it's hard to tell when you're getting the, the diagen- is it diagenic music. Is that the I word? That sounds for? right. Yeah. It's something like that. If nothing else, that's a really good word. It's a fun it word. Is. But it's it's hard to keep up on this show. So I like this idea that if security sees you committing a crime, that they play thematically appropriate music. It's like a warning. Like if you realize this is about you, like a kickstones, bud. We had the pina colada track. Right. Now we've, we've got, got the, the cat scratch, scratch fever. fever track. I mean, it's good. It's it's good operating procedure to try and not cause a scene. Right. Because, you know, if they then like show themselves to the door, you can nab them there. Also true. Off the floor. Unfortunately for Miss Kitty Cat here, she is doing her series of petty crimes under the watchful gaze of President of Operations Danny McCoy, who is not willing to let her go in exchange for him finger banging her. I'll let you pet my kitty. That sounds about right. I mean, I'm sure that would be fun, but it seems like when you're constructing your bribe, you want the sexual favors going away from the criminal toward the, the authority figure. In in the Mario Party Chance Time minigame, the arrow is pointing the wrong <laughs> way. Which I'm guessing is why she did not get off. Literally and <laughs> I do think that it would have been funny to see Daddy sort of like a little tilt his head like, no, get her I? out of here. No. Yeah. <laughs> not how this you're works. You're terrible at this. You're a terrible thief. You're a terrible briber. I mean, she's a very good thief, to be clear. She was not being particularly subtle when robbing all these dudes, but she was pickpocketing people with no problems at all. Yeah, I guess my 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 criticism isn't with her technique. It's for where she chose to do it. Sure. Like, do this shit outside on the strip and you'll be fine. Like, yeah, you're not going to be able to lift checks from the rack, but in terms of jack and wallets. Yeah, it's going to be good. Whole lot less security. Whole lot less security. And a Metro cop is probably going to let you off with a finger blast. True. Like not to sully the badge there, but they're making a whole lot less money and they are not getting pussy thrown at them with quite the frequency that Daniel McCoy is. Yeah, that's that's going to be quite the uh, the theme throughout this episode. I I know that the obviously season three, he did not have the I get a random make out every episode in the contract anymore. That was that was an option that he forgot to select for year three. But he made up for it some here. Yeah, they they said, hey, uh, in exchange for all the kissing, what if there was multiple forms of manual stimulation this episode? Says, yeah, all right, that's fine. <laughs> After the bust, Mike sidles up next to him and allows us how there's a ton of card counters and cheaters because they've declared it open season on the Montecito now that Big Ed is gone, which doesn't seem like a smart move because A, Ed's been gone for a little while now. B, Ed's replacement is the guy that who up until this moment was in charge of security. It doesn't seem like there's going to be this huge, you know, power vacuum of security prowess. I, you know, the only thing I can guess is that the, the cheaters and the counts and everything didn't download the org chart prior. They just, we know Ed DeLine's name goes far and wide. And so they just saw the headline of Ed DeLine out. So they're like, okie doke. 
Ed out Danian. Who the fuck is this Danny guy? Yeah, we don't we don't know who this guy is, but and Ed has been gone. But kind of going back to what we were talking about last week, you know, he had not been replaced yet, and so everyone was waiting on a okay. Ed does this every couple months. He'll be back. Blah blah blah. But now that we've got the full replacement, people are like, all right, open season. Let's go. Let's go see how this water feels. The other thought I just had as we're talking about it is maybe this is really an indictment on Mike. They're like, we've seen Mike fucking up a lot more recently. Danny's going to get pulled in a whole bunch of different directions. We think we might be able to pull fast ones on this uh, Mike Cannon guy. He's a real shitty security guy. Real, real poor surveillance man. Yeah. And while Mike alludes to it later in a conversation with a whole bunch of people. He says, well, if Danny moved up, that means I also get to move up to his spot, right? I don't think we ever actually got confirmation that's true, much like the uh, long no. time before Danny actually got it. So, Mike's jumping the gun a little bit. I, as he's wont to do. There's a bigger issue, though. Monica has installed a roulette table with no limits. Risky. And a dude showed up with a thousand and one dollars. Bet it on red and keeps winning. Well, I mean, okay, he's got $2,002 now. That's not that bad, Judson. Well, I did some math for you because I knew you'd want to know it. Uh, you're right. The guy is takes 10 wins to get to a million bucks. That's nominally 1,700, one in 1,700 chance. Okay. Takes 15 wins to get to 32 million. Now we're talking about 74,000 to one against. It's pretty unlikely. 17 gets you into the nine figures. You're north of 130 million. That is 328,000 to one against. 20 wins, 2-0, gets you north of a billion, which is a one in three million chance, give or take. Now, that compares to the Powerball, which is nominally one in 300 million chance. And all of a sudden you go, huh, maybe they are right to be concerned, question mark? It's... it's it's a little more likely than you would want it to be, I would think, if your livelihood was tied to the casino's bottom line. This uh, doubling effect is the exact reason casinos have limits and why Monica is a fucking idiot. As as we'll get throughout the episode, Monica's whole logic is streaks end. I'll get it all back in one shot, which, as I feel like we've been bringing up a lot lately, she's not wrong. I mean, streaks do typically end. But you only have to be wrong once on this one to have to hand over the keys to this hippie dude. And also, she's clearly not played Baccarat with us. Streaks can go on a lot longer than you expect. A very, a very good point. But to be clear, too few people in the world have had the joy of playing Baccarat with us. I mean, you, me, friend of the pod, Tyler, Bow Wow. I mean, that's really it. <laughs> a couple of Asians that really hated us. A... Iranian fighter pilot slash prince. God, I wish I was there for that one. It's it's a real who's who, if we're being perfectly honest. And that reminds me, if you go to our Patreon page and you choose the highest tier, you too, listener, could be at a Baccarat table with your co-hosts. It's a very reasonable $20,000 a month. You can, you can cancel after the first month because you can get it booked, but, you know, it's highly doable. Yeah. I mean, and we're not one of those people that are... One of those programs that are going to nickel and dime you like on a per episode thing where you're rooting against the content. No, it's monthly. Of course, the rate of content may slow if we need to stretch this out indefinitely. But that's neither here nor there. You should still definitely do it. I will say when the hippie dude first showed up, 
I had this terrible flashback of the polyphonic spree. Yep. And I was like, oh, wait, are we going to have to deal with those assholes again? I forgot where this goes exactly. He definitely had polyphonic vibes, but blessedly had swapped out his colorful costumes for an obsession with numerology and astrology. So some ways better, some ways way, way worse. Yeah, typically I would mock that, but it's working very, very well for him. So, you know, shoot or shoot, man. Gotta have it. That's the truth. One other fun fact we learned is that Ed is no longer in Las Vegas. Right now, apparently he is in Macau with Steve Wynn checking out the new joint. So now that he's been replaced, Ed might just be saying adios to the city as a whole, which is an interesting little fact. Yeah. And we learned this as Delinda and Sam have sauntered over and are LARPing as the worst friends and colleagues in the history of humanity. Real bad. Because they are propagating rumors that Danny sniped the job, assuming that they're all moving up and then ambushing him with needs for them in their department in the middle of the casino floor. I was pleasantly surprised that Danny told them to go fuck themselves. I think it helped that he had like four different crises going on at one time that he was able to do that. But yeah, just trying to railroad our poor boy here. Speaking of railroading Danny, Danny's approached by a new pit boss named Corey, who starts off all professional-like, and then basically says, and by the way, you can fuck me whenever you want. I'm what we call a free-use pit boss. A, a famous term, as, as we've all heard before at many casinos. What does an open invitation mean? Because she offers, and he's like, no, nah, I'm good. And she just goes, no, 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 it's an open invitation. I think she was cutting him off from trying to say that he was busy tonight. And she was just like, no, no, no. I'm just looking to bang. Like, you call me. We're good. Once Corey leaves, Delinda is going to come up with a much more flirtatious vibe than she had, I don't know, 45 seconds ago when she was bitching and moaning about being understaffed. And is going to just start flashing Danny in the middle of the floor a couple times because she's I guess understaffed. Hey, oh, that was that was a good one. But she's going to do this whole bit about how. So this is real unprofessional, right? This would get me fired. This would be bad for me to do on the casino floor. And she just keeps opening her jacket off up to show her bra underneath. Danny starts freaking out, especially once he sees Monica in the background watching all of this go on. And Monica is not pleased. Mm -mm. Says, hey, she pulls that shit again. She's fucking out. And also, what is with this comic book convention and all these fucking nerds? And he's like, hey, uh, they've got money. And that's why Ed hosts this convention every year, because, yeah, they might be geeks, but they've got a lot of discretionary income and they'll blow it here. That seems to pacify Monica for the moment. And then a group of excited folks are going to come up asking for her autograph. Monica as we've seen, is somewhat vain and, and likes to have her ego stroked, is very excited and starts signing what's been put in front of her, only to realize that all of these people thought she was a comic book character. Moth Woman didn't, uh, didn't enjoy that nearly as much. On the one hand, a perfectly understandable mistake, given that she does strike a shocking resemblance to the comic book character Moth Woman. On the other, though, it's a comic book convention, and they're rife with costume play, commonly known as cosplay. <laughs> I find it completely unrealistic that any of these Comic-Con attendees 
would not be like, oh, this is a woman cosplaying as Mothwoman versus just a fucking rando. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I I think the giant Mothwoman cutout that she and Danny were standing in front of having this conversation probably helped people to think. I don't know. They thought this was a fucking like ad hoc signing session? I, yeah, pretty much. I, Have you ever been to a comic book convention? Uh, I went to... I guess it wasn't a comic book one. There was one that had a bunch of fighting game tournaments going on at the same time, but it was then had a whole bunch of comic book convention type stuff gotcha. going on. So I don't know what it actually was. Dreamhack. I don't know if you've uh-uh. heard of that one, but it was fun. Got pretty drunk and got roasted at Street Fighter. I've never been to any sort of those conventions like that. I think it'd be fun. I mean, obviously I'm not a comic book guy, so that one doesn't really apply to me, but the other ones I think like, I don't know like board gaming conventions or something. I feel like that'd be kind of cool. It'd be fun to like go someplace where everyone's all geeking out about the same thing you are. Yeah. It's, you got to think the vibes are going to be pretty positive throughout. Mostly. I would really like it to be in Vegas though. Cause an excuse to gamble is always welcome. Yeah. You never really need that arm twist to go to Vegas, but it's but always like, welcome. Gen Con in Indianapolis isn't exactly doing it for me. Uh, that's fair. Oh, cool. An opportunity to go to middle of nowhere, Indiana. As, as someone that once made that mistake, I highly advise against it. <laughs> Next time someone asks, I'll say, on advice of counsel, I must decline. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. Danny overhears Mary checking into the Montecito and tells telling the off-screen front desk woman that she'll be there, quote, for a while. But before you can interrogate it any further, a dude dressed as the Green Phantom decides to rope swing down off the mezzanine straight into a support column. Judson, I have a question for you. Is it, how did he get the braided ropes up there without detection? Yes, actually, that is exactly what my question was going to be. <laughs> That's unfortunate, because that was my question for you. Yeah, it seems like somebody would have stopped all of the preparation needed for this to happen before it happened. Like, hey, bruv, what you doing? Oh, nothing. Just stringing up a big rope swing in the middle of your casino. All right, cool. Hey, guy, why are you climbed up? A story and a half on like the art installation. Oh, it's cool. This is my launch pad. Okay, carry on. And surely, though, once they've seen this, they're going to take the rope down, right? I mean, I guess you could, but that seems like a lot of work. So we'd probably just leave it. He, I bet he learned his lesson. Danny is incredibly concerned for the guy's well-being and not nearly angry enough for my tastes, but possibly because the guy is struggling with the reality that he's not a superhero. So Danny's just... Taking it easy on him? I don't know. Yeah, this dude seemed, he was not just having a good time in costume. He he seems a little far gone on this one. Maybe, but I I would have liked to see Danny take a, a little bit of a harder line other than, you okay? All right, man, have fun. Enjoy your concussion, dipshit. <laughs> While Danny is dealing with our green phantom friend, Delinda is once again going to appear this time saying that Jake just called her, and apparently he and Mary had a big fight, and she got the fuck out of Dodge. She's been trying to call Mary, but hasn't gotten an answer, and Danny's like, oh, don't worry about it, I just saw her checking in. After Delinda tells Danny about the whole Mary and Jake fight, the Green Phantom's gonna chime in, because this seems like a good idea to, you know, try and hit on a woman while you're just in a dumb costume and concuss yourself, and she's busy trying to do her job. When you're wearing a green condom? A little bit. Uh, funny enough, Delinda's just going to roast his costume. Your mask should be less Batman and more Zorro. Your cape's too long and your boots are all wrong. And hike up your pants, for God's sake. You're supposed to be a superhero. 
I like to think that she is just disappointed in him for his lack of attention to detail. Yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it right. And don't forget to dry clean it, otherwise your colors will fade. You can't have the colors running on the costume. That's how the bad guys win. They are unable to dig too deep into the Mary situation because Sam runs back up, says, hey, exciting news. This world famous casino host, JW something something, has died. And we've got to get a hold of his black book. It's got all the whales, contact information, likes, dislikes, gold mine for the Montecito. And rightly, Danny's like, I don't give a fuck. You're the casino host. Figure it out. Bye. Yeah. Sa- sounds great. That definitely sounds like something you should do that is not in my wheelhouse at all. Have fun. Meanwhile, Mike has an update. Real guy keeps winning. And now there's a curious blackjack player on a hot streak who keeps getting up during the shuffle and wandering off. And Sam's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to the bottom of this black book thing. Mike's out. Danny's out. Delinda, though, very excited to help. She loves a good treasure hunt. She loves a treasure hunt. She loves a good team up. Delinda can't wait. Before any of these problems can actually be fixed, though, next Monica is going to call Danny and says, hey, I need you in the Aston Martin dealership right now. The one that we've had the entire time, the Montecito has always been open. Arguably the the fourth or fifth most used set on the show throughout the run so far. It goes casino floor, security, beautiful wax, Aston Martin dealership, Danny's fuck condo. Uh, pool, Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Danny's. Yeah. You're right. But yeah, pretty much. Danny seems to welcome this somewhat break from chaos so that he can get the hell out of the conversation with four different people asking for things from him and go deal with Monica. On his way to see Monica, Danny runs into Mary and says, hey, sorry about you and Jake. Let me know if you need anything. She says she's okay. All good. Not particularly convincing, but good enough for now. So Danny's going to roll into the Aston Martin dealership with just a horrendous knockoff Bond song playing. It was grating. And like not even trying to hide what it was. Like I think it was still close enough that a copyright strike could have been filed. But it was and just like, so bad. The bartender shaking, like with a shaker going, like, come on. Didn't need them both. Monica's invited Danny to the dealership to explain the perks of his new position. They include a new Aston Martin, some sweet ass one. I don't know what type, but it looked fun. I drive it. Uh, designed to replace Bumblebee, which she describes as a clunker. Yeah, a lot of shade being thrown at Bumblebee, which I did not appreciate. No, and I did not think Danny stood up for Bumblebee nearly enough. It's like, oh, no, that's a classic. But anyway, let's talk about this sex car. He was he was blinded by the light. She's also going to throw him a dozen custom made suits. Taylor will meet him in the office later today. I mean, that's pretty sweet if you can get it. And an over the clothes hand job. Yeah, her. Uh, she was getting real feely once they got in the car. And when she described herself as not just his boss, but but to think of her as another Danny McCoy fan. She is apparently a very big fan of his because, man, she was reaching. I did like that he allowed her to be on his knee, then inside his leg. And then it wasn't until she got like mid thigh that he freaked out. But when she rotated to the inside of your knee, it was clear where it was going unless you stopped her. I'm not saying that what she did was right or that Danny did anything wrong. But his sudden surprise is mind boggling. Did you... Think she was going to stop there? Come on. 
I mean, we we typically try to avoid victim blaming on this podcast, which, to be I, clear, I, I, I guess, am not. I guess not all of our uh, hosts agree with that anymore. A hundred percent of our hosts agree with our position of not victim shaming. I, however, <laughs> am advocating that it, that victim surprise is not warranted here. That was the the Stephen A. Smith parody tweet of now look. We all agree that Attila the Hun was a bad guy. Of course, of course. However, (laughs) while in the process of sexually harassing her employee, Monica lays out her plans. Firstly, she's toying with renaming the casino to the Monica, since Steve Wynn can use his name. Why can't she? And also that she's borrowed heavily against the Montecito to finance a broad acquisition campaign throughout the city. Foreshadowing happens when clues in a story hint at future events. You know, it doesn't seem like maybe the best idea to completely leverage your only appreciable asset for your whole master plan, but I I've never tried a hostile citywide casino takeover, so what do I know? Well, here's the thing. This is not how a commercial real estate transaction would go down. I mean, obviously every deal is going to be different, but Broadly, Monica wants to put up the Montecito's collateral to borrow money to buy other shit. This is done all the time. That's fine. What's not done is that you put up the Montecito or you put up your asset to borrow a bunch of money that you then sit on while you wait to buy other shit. Like those transactions happen simultaneously or in rapid succession. And if anything, you'd have a bridge loan against the Montecito while you financed your new acquisition. But that way you could pay cash, right? You wouldn't just be like, cool, what's the Montecito worth? Great. Give me that in cash. I'll throw it in my bank account and wait. Meanwhile, there's a giant bullseye painted on the Montecito while I'm just figuring things out. And also, just the act of being levered is not enough to jeopardize the casino. It then has to take a header. Right. Anyway, they want the audience to be like, oh, this is risky. Oh, Monica's fucked. Fly too close to the sun, Icarus. But look, as as it is right now, Monica's fine. This is bullshit. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my Wall Street TED Talk. You know, you got to give the people what they want. And I think that this is what we all know. Well, this is how we get the the cross promotion with Bloomberg News. It'll be great. (laughs) You know, New York Times is buying out Wordle. Maybe their business section needs a official podcast, which what better could it be than Montecito? I mean, if fucking Spotify is not going to set Joe Rogan money, somebody's got to, right? It's true. We are far less controversial. Well. Most of the time. I think that can only be because not nearly as many people have heard us yet. I. It was still a factual statement. <laughs> as Danny is trying to hop out of the car so as not to, I guess, bust a load in his brand new car, Monica <laughs> I mean, assures he's him. He's about to get new suit pants, so I don't know what the big deal is. Go ahead and take that HJ. This is still an old suit. We don't know how uh, how well restrictive it is. Is it leaking out your inseam? Gross, Daniel. You know, he's he had his dead brother in his old car. He doesn't need his unborn children in his new one. If you have an Aston Martin, you're definitely having your unborn children in it somewhere. Come on. But not the driver's seat. I mean, Eh. probably the driver's seat. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Monica is going to assure Danny that his new car will be in his parking spot by the end of the night. And if he comes by, there might be something else waiting for him there. Wink, insinuating that she wants to fuck him in the parking lot. Or 
she'll have Robert Goulet there singing him a song. I mean, if that doesn't get you ready to bang in a car, I don't know what will. I mean, you got to get Robert Goulet in the car and he's a tall man, but make it work. Well, I mean, he can you crack a window and he can sing from the outside. No, I mean, you got to fuck Robert Goulet in your car. Oh, shit. That's a whole different story. <laughs> you got to put the goo in Goulet. Oh, no. Here, I thought you were going to make a cockpit joke because you were saying he's a tall guy, but that was certainly worse. Sorry, Sorry about that, Bobby. That's all right. Great time to segue to a funeral. (laughs) Sam and Delinda are at J.W. McKellar's funeral, and according to Sam, every host in town is there. Dee thinks it's sweet. The casino hosts care so much about each other. Their little fraternity would show up for this. Sam quickly cuts her off and says, no, dipshit. We're all here for the book. We all hate each other. We're bad people. You'd think Dee would know. Like, this was a very season one naivety level of Delinda. Yes, this was fucking newborn foal on ice, dipshit Delinda. Dee's going to be worried because Sam committed the ultimate faux pas of showing up to the funeral in the same dress as somebody else, who it turns out is Sam's old running buddy, Myra Gonzalez. Apparently, they used to work together, and Sam and Myra's versions of how that broke up differ a little bit. I have to say, I believed Myra's story a little bit more, which was Sam fucked me and stole a whale because that's what Sam does. I mean, that that is what the entire episode has been about for Sam. So it seemed very, very believable. Problematically for Sam, Myra appears to have been laying back in the cut, planning her revenge, which on the heels of a very gruesome metaphor for how she was treated by Sam is likely to be spectacularly bad for all involved. I I would not want any of these people mad at me because conniving is kind of their whole bit. But yeah, Myra, Myra was coming from, from a deep, dark place with this. Mike and Danny are in security watching the suspicious blackjack player and note that he gets up every 17 and a half minutes exactly, wanders off from the table. And when he's at the table, he's staring across the casino off into the distance. And the logical conclusion is he's getting signaled from somewhere, someone somewhere. But Mike can't find anything. He's done this scanner whiz bang. They've looked at the cameras. There's nothing. Bigger issue. Roulette guy has now won nine times in a row, which if you remember from earlier, means he's just one away from the million dollars. A lot of action going on here. This was a, a frenetically paced, certainly first half of the episode. Absolutely. Danny says, OK, look, we're up. We're almost at a mill. Just shut the table down. We got to cool this guy off. Easy fix. This is what we always do. Bad news for him. Monica walks in just at that moment and says, nah, he's fine. It's I thought it was really weird that she'd strung up braided rope and swung in from the second story of the security room to put a kibosh in all this. But I, I guess if they got a blind spot for rope on the floor, they probably have it in here, too. Well, I mean, she's not actually Moth Woman, so she couldn't use wings. How else she, is she gonna do is it? the Green Phantom. <laughs> Duh. Comic book twist. Yeah, Monica's brought her Silicon Valley disruptor mindset to the casino business. And it's like, nah, this is perfect. I know exactly what I'm doing. And decades of proper approach to casino management does not apply here. I'm going to get my fucking money back. Also, here's a folder full of people I want you to fire, Danny, because we got to cut back on costs. Hey, we all know Monica's about the analytics. She's run the numbers. She knows how these streaks end. She knew that decades later, somebody was going to hop on a podcast and talk about how 
astronomical the odds were. She's fine trusting the math. It gets bad when she gives the folder to Danny of, hey, fire all these folks. Danny's like, this dude's like two weeks away from retirement. It's going to kill his pension. What the fuck? And also no more double shifts. And also blah, blah, blah. Danny's trying everything he can to get Monica to kind of come back to the usual operating procedures. You know, shut the table down, give the guy, a, give the hippie guy a room. He'll give all the money back. Nope, 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 nope. I know it's right. Shut the fuck up, Danny. Just not having it. And strangely, our hippie has been able to win two more roles in the period of this brief conversation, even though Mike said that they had slowed the table down. The time vortex comes for us all. <laughs> it's, it's been a minute since it's really gotten us. But we had taken, you know, the first third of the episode to get nine spins and then in 20 seconds gotten two more. Roulette guy, tranquilo, por favor. At this point, Hippie's got a 5% chance of stringing together four more wins to get to 32 million and one in 88 chance of getting to nine figures. It's just a real problem at this point. Yeah, this is a you're you are throwing good money after bad at this point. As you'll know, listener, when you play Baccarat with us. I worry Danny might be taking his eye off the ball and forgetting about Roulette Guy because Jake is back. Judson. Uh-huh. We have some business to take care of. I think we do, don't we? Yeah. Can you remind the audience what that business is? Well, back in the halcyon days of season three, episode two, we had a wager as to whether or not we would see Jake ever again. You were suffering a crisis of conscience, couldn't decide. So much like Monica refuses to or wants to do, you figured you'd leave it up to the coin. Just let the math go where it may. Well, much like those who lose in the NFL overtime playoffs, I've been destroyed by the coin. Judson <laughs> is walking away with 50 space bucks. I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Now bring me my money. I, I, I noted that I thought we had a bet on this, but I could not remember what it was. And I was really annoyed with myself. Makes sense now why I couldn't remember who took what side. <laughs> For those keeping score at home, we're all tied up. Seven uh, seven. I don't I don't think that's the case though. What's the, the dollar count there, my man? Oh, the people aren't keeping that score at home. They just wanted to know they the are. loss record. No, they they want to know the money because it's famously how gambling works. Well, I mean, if you really want to get into the, the nuances of the nitty gritty. The next in stats. Brought to you by AWS. <laughs> Judson moves up to 1066 while I am at a paltry 934. You know, I feel bad about the coin thing. So I'm going to give you a space buck just to help I, ease your pain. Judson, I took the wager. And and as a man of honor, I, I cannot accept this. You're you're kind and I appreciate it. But I you you won this fair and square. So you get to keep all 50. How many space bucks would I have to give you gratis to get off this number? Like, what if I gave you 16? Uh, you know, that feels like too many. I think 13 would do it. I hate you so much. <laughs> Jake is here to make a grand gesture. And that is, he's got a giant bouquet and a huge rock. Mary, won't you marry me? So it turns out, no, they were not, in fact, not married. <laughs> I uh, I would have moved Mary to the second sentence where I Jake on that one, but 
seems weird that we started the episode with they had a big fight and Mary moved out and his Hail Mary wink play was to try and propose. <laughs> Danny tears down the mezzanine to take care of the roulette guy. Wait, hang on. Uh, my producer's telling me, no, it's actually to stalk Mary and Jake. I mean, that checks out. He's going to sit there and watch them chat at a table. When Mike calls, it's like, uh, heads up. We're like, I just won for a 12th time. So Danny begrudgingly peels off. We are up over 4 million now. So maybe leave your fucking high school musical drama bullshit for later, would you? Mary does not accept his marriage proposal. Tells Jake, I love you too, but we don't have a life together. Jake's about to protest this when his phone rings. And it's someone telling him that the jury's back. Eddie, I've got a question for you as our resident lawyer. Yes. Why in God's name would he do this with a verdict pending? I feel like this should be taught in litigation 101. Like, yo, juries can return a verdict whenever. So if you've got a case that's in the hands of the jury, don't do any important shit. Grab a sando and a coffee and sit your ass at the courthouse. On spec, I don't disagree. You know, the the problem is these could take a very long time and... With Jake's whole workaholic bullshit, he probably has the rest of his day spent doing other lawyery bullshit once he's out of verdict timeout. I don't know. It is bad play. But excellent, excellent way to prove Mary's point immediately after she makes it. Danny is finally going to make his way to the roulette table and and try and gas up our new hippie friend. But he's like, yo, don't fucking touch me. Danny starts offering him a sweet. And the guy's like, no, I'm good. I'm on a hot streak. The sun is aligned with the moon and my chakra fucked my chi good. And so the karma's right <laughs> and the planets are cool and and like the dew point is right. So you, you shut the fuck up. I'm going to win this money. I fucking I found the, the ancient scrolls. I found the I found the cheat code. I fucking properly entered it. I heard the bing. We're good. Get the fuck out. I got a thousand and one. U.S. dollars in sequential order that add up to something. And look, you can hand wave away the rest of this. But the notion that he went to a bank and somehow got this is preposterous to me. I mean, ever being able to do that, but especially looking like him. First of all, that guy does not have one thousand and one dollars at any bank ever. He probably like showed up and was like, hey, I need a thousand and one dollars fresh from the Treasury, from the Mint. In sequential order, they need to start with this number. And the person's like, sir, this is a Wendy's. Move along. <laughs> I cannot and will not help you. It's either that or, yeah, sure, one sec while I call the FBI and have you arrested for obvious crimes you're trying to do. Operator, number for the Treasury Department? Secret Service, please? Yes, uh, I have a gentleman I'd like you to speak with. Those guys, way cooler than the fucking Jim and Rock dudes from the, the FBI last episode. He's got a very specific request involving serial numbers of U.S. currency. Oh, you've hung up because you're already on the way. Okay. (laughs) The dude's protests go to no avail as Danny hears all that and says, yeah, that's cool and all, but I'm shutting down the fucking studio. Table's closed. Go enjoy your new suite, buddy. And tells our new pit boss, Corey, give it half an hour, then reopen it. But this time with a thousand dollar limit. I thought it would have been, first of all. Very nice of Danny to still give the guy the suite. But a funny who's like, well, I've shut the table down. And because you fucked around, I'm also taking away the offer of a suite. Get bopped, idiot. The bar's that way. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a little I thought it was a little surprising that they didn't reach a compromise with Monica and be like, hey, 
what if we put limits of a million dollars on it? Like that's still eye catching. And frankly, a million dollar limit to me is more publicity generating than a no limit table. So I think like your average gambler doesn't think, doesn't associate no limit with odds of a crazy run. Whereas I think if you throw like a million dollar limit on there, like that's still to me like, holy shit. Okay. Montecito's here to play. We we have seen big roulette bets be allowed in the past. You know, our, our vampire valet had what? He had a hundred on the inside. He had a hundred on the inside, which would pay three and a half if it hit. Yeah. So that's, you know, they, they haven't been shy about it. So I, I think your point's well taken that the, you know, million dollar roulette table would get you on, you know, the third page of the local paper or something. Yeah. At the funeral parlor, Sam is going whale hunting because for some reason, a bunch of whales turn up to their casino host's funeral. Uh, uh-huh. I, sure. I, I really struggle to imagine a future in which I have a casino host of significant clout. But if you then layer onto it, the odds of me ever attending his or her funeral, uh, my money's on hippie making it to a billion dollars. That is more <laughs> likely. Yeah, I, I I could see using that as an excuse to go to Vegas of, oh, I, we've had a long relationship. I got to go to be there for this for this funeral that I'm definitely not attending. <laughs> no, although I guess, well, see, now now you've got me thinking because I think if you declare your intention to go to Vegas for this casino host funeral and then don't go. Like you've put a lot of bad karma out into the world there. That that is some very bad juju. That's a good point, Judson. That's a very I, good I think, point. You know what? I think we've we've teamed up to turn me around on this. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna at one point in my life go to my casino host funeral. Uh, wow, that was a hell of a swing. Comic yeah. book twist. <laughs> so they're at the funeral home, and the whale hunt is contested. All these casino hosts are circling. So Sam wants to Linda. To pull out one of her breasts. A tad inappropriate. And to me, exceedingly confusing. Like what? Obviously, Delinda doesn't go for it. But let's say that she had. What? What is Sam's long game here? Well, Sam does just say it's as a distraction. But, right. But for what? I, How long does is, the distraction last? I Long enough to take whoever her old foe was trying to talk to. It's not a great plan. So you can tell Sam is scrambling here. Also, you know, if Delinda whips a tit out, Myra is immediately following suit. Yeah, that's a I mean, given. especially because the actor that plays Myra was in flight with Denzel Washington. And we did see her titties in that movie. That's the first thing I've heard that makes me want to see the movie flight. Atlanta, Simon, Southampton, 57. We are inverted. I repeat, we are inverted. My confusion aside, Myra wanders away from a whale. Sam saunters over to the guy and says, hey, whatever she's got. I'll meet it or beat it. He's like, I don't know about that. All right, well, here's what I'll do for you. You see that blonde chick over there? Yeah. Well, I'm her pimp. And if you come to the Montecito, I'll make her fuck you. It's like, yeah, all right, deal. When do I come? Uh, To the Montecito, I mean. (laughs) What? I mean, it's a hell of a pitch. What is Sam's long game here? She's going to try and get her friend late. If Delinda's not going to whip a tit out, she's not going to fuck a whale. And the guy's going to get to the Montecito and then not get laid and be like, fuck this. I'm out. It's it's a terrible plan. And Sam is a terrible person. And that's just the start of how bad she is. Danny and Corey are watching our blackjack guy trying to figure out what's going on. 
and they're really thrown off because it doesn't seem like he's even paying attention. He's staring up kind of off in the distance the whole time that he's playing. And they give us a very cool effect, I thought, of from the guy's perspective. I agree. Of, he has like visualized the deck and you see a card get dealt down and the card sort of slowly flies up into his astral projection of autism because that's how that works, I think. It was Maybe. a very cool effect either way. Very cool effect either way. But before we get any more hands, turns out it's been 17 and a half minutes. So our boy's going to hop up. Corey notes the time was right on the dot. And Danny's going to follow him to see what mysterious happenings will take place. And it turns out he just wants to go watch Monica's new jingle commercial on the monitor on the floor. Play at the Montecito. Stay at the Montecito. They're shopping and swimming and fine dining too. Montecito's the place to be. Danny tries to engage the guy in a conversation, but he's singing along word for word. And then the second it ends, he spin moves the other way and walks away without even acknowledging Danny. I mean, it's a very good jingle. And for a time, we were considering that jingle to be this podcast's theme song. So I get the I get the fascination with it. If I mean, if we had been able to get a clean rip of it, we probably would have used it. But, you know. Sometimes you want to go after one of the biggest recording artists of all time and hope they don't see you. <laughs> we like to live dangerous here at Pod at the Montecito. Thanks again, Elvis. The thing about his astral projection of the deck, though, is that absent any sort of betting modulation. So essentially, he's fancy counting cards instead of just keeping a running count of if it's rich or, or lean. He knows exactly what cards remain in the shoe. But if he doesn't modulate his bet, that doesn't give him any information. Yeah, I, I don't think they show us enough hands of his to see what he's doing. But but the thing is, if he bet, if he modulates his bet they're you know, they're watching. They know the count. They don't know what he's up to. If he's modulating his bet when it's rich, which is what he would do with this information, then they would bust him for card counting. They wouldn't need to know what signals he was getting. They'd be like, oh, he's card counting. Bye. Well, and and we'll get to that later. But we've we've moved beyond the how or why is he counting? There's. Something else seems to be afoot that is why they aren't busting him yet. Yeah, I'm saying, but up until this point, they should have just busted him for card counting by now, is my oh, point. Oh, agreed. So Danny hustles back to security, and for a second, it looks like we were going to get a super super cringy handling of autism, because Danny just busts in, autistic savant, guy's a fucking autistic savant. We what got, a nerd, we got, right? We got ourselves a rain man. And- Thank God Mike's there, which is not something I say very often because he's like, whoa, hey, so your role there, Danny. First of all, you're suggesting something incredibly rare. Secondly, can we pump the brakes on you throwing around terminology you've clearly never used before? I mean, I thought for sure we were going to get a, uh, a a hard R, if you will, <laughs> out of Danny. And Mike was like, no, 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 no. We talked about that in the other context. I got to talk to you about it now. We are not doing that, Daniel. <laughs> both, both front of word and back of word. It's a bad way to go. Well, maybe we should tell that to Rain Man because he practically bankrupt a casino and he was. Either way, Monica's going to roll in and say, I don't give a shit. Get his ass out. And he's like, no, no, no. He's obviously being taken advantage of. We're going to run him through missing persons. They find that he walked away from this Vegas group home. They're going to try and do. No, no, no. And you know what? If he comes back. 
fucking arrest him for trespassing. Again. And Danny goes along with it. To Monica's face, he does not object and says, look, still call the missing persons folks, but yeah, we'll get rid of them. Monica's methods are cold, but the 86ing guy was where we were just at five seconds ago. Yeah, but that was before we knew that he disappeared from a group home in North Vegas. Yeah, he might want to do a little bit better, but I think there's also an in-between of maybe don't let him play blackjack anymore and throw his ass out and arrest him on site. Obviously, I think they were dialing up Monica's evilness so that if hypothetically something were to happen to her, (laughs) the audience wouldn't care so much. But this, this, like the last episode, just feels extremely forced to me. Like Monica's heel turn just, I mean, this one is at least more or less rooted in established Monica tropes, mm-hmm. but it's up to fucking 11 here. Like, and it just seemed to me way, way overblown. I, we, we have had issues this seasons with, with heel turns going too quickly, maybe not laying the proper foundation. Maybe they shouldn't have happened in the first place. And my girl should still be around wrong. My, <laughs> Monica definitely has it turned up to 11 here, and it is all rooted in every time she hears Danny suggest something, she is hearing Ed suggest it through Danny, and that increasingly pisses her off more and more and more. That, that's a Monica problem, though. She needs to talk to her therapist about that and get that <laughs> shit worked out, especially if she's going to fucking bang Danny. Like, unless she expects to hear Ed moaning her name, like, come on, Monica, you got your wires crossed. You need to uncross them. I, I mean... That definitely does seem like part of the issue. Back to the funeral, Myra's giving a touching eulogy in which she is, of course, going to make sure to plug her bevy of services she would love to provide to everyone there. Here's a stack which of includes a cards. touching eulogy, if you catch my drift. <laughs> the whole time, the whale that's that hand job. Yeah, no, I, I got it. I think I think our audience caught that one. OK, just checking. <laughs> Yeah, because she'll I mean she'll do anything for her clients, you know. Oh, sexual. Including, including sexual favors. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. okay. Now I'm with you. Yeah. Meanwhile, while still at a funeral, mind you, the whale Sam was just talking to is busy eye fucking the shit out of Delinda the entire time this is going on. And Delinda's finally gonna catch on that something is amiss. And speaking of things that are amiss, Myra introduces JW's favorite act, a drag queen. Performing, I think it's charitable to call this a pitchy rendition of <laughs> Come Sail Away. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not great. It isn't as bad as if you asked me to sing publicly, but it's it's definitely closer to how I would do than say how you would do. It is just phenomenal. Delinda is going to lose her fucking mind. She thinks this is the funniest thing she's ever seen. Mind you, everyone else thinks this is a touching moment and is crying or is at least stoic and Delinda literally collapses onto the floor. She even Sam is like, dude, you've got to chill. Please stop. But Delinda's lost it. She's she's gone. Literally falls out of the pew. It's and in her defense, it was very funny. It was extremely funny. But when Sam's telling you to dial it back, you really need to take a a 360 of your surroundings. (laughs) You may have stepped off base a little bit. Just a bit. Blackjack player Nat has come back, but Danny says, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm not going along with the second part. I'm not going to have this guy arrested. And Mike 
puts out into the universe in words what we all know to be true. Monica is going to lose her shit when she finds out. And Danny's days as president of operation could very well be numbered. Foreshadowing happens when clues in a story hint at future events. Mike has concluded that the jingle represents Nat's repetitive behavior, a trait that is common among autistics, and deduces that somebody realized he liked the song, like heard it on TV at the group home, and is using it as a tool to manipulate Nat's behavior to his, his or her benefit. And Danny run a check on the employees, no past criminal records. They all come up clean. No one's been fired lately. They're almost grasping for straws and like vacation and sick time. Run video IQ against that. front desk registration. We'll see if anything pops up. I did appreciate that Danny told Mike to check the Holmes files and Mike got kind of a glint in his eye of, you want me to hack into their system? Danny's like, "Uh uh-huh. Mike's like, all right, we're still doing the good shit here. I was worried that now that you're president of operations, you would have changed, but nope, still got it. Back at the funeral, things are going south in a hurry, man. We've got Sam going to give her last respects to JW, and she's able to look into the casket and see that JW has the black book right there. He's getting buried with it. All those secrets are going to the grave. Unless, you know, someone got a little handsy at the funeral. Sam tries to get D to go just reach in there, which would have made more sense. Much better wingspan, a lot taller. D, however, doesn't give that much of a shit. She says no. So Sam's just gonna get on in there, and Myra's going to join for a little cat fight on top of a dead body. This is a really great storyline that I thoroughly enjoyed. So instead of talking about it more, I want to pivot to a couple of other discussion points. One, if you're Delinda, would you rather reach into an open casket or pop out a boob? Ladder. Especially given her proclivities to flash people. Right. This seems like a no-brainer. Second question, are you pro or con open casket funerals? Con vehemently con. I think they are so, so, so creepy. Yeah, I'm with you. If you don't remember what the person looked like, you weren't that close. Okay. (laughs) You probably didn't need to be at that funeral. They just died. This isn't like a 10 year anniversary memorial. Like what the fuck? They just died. Come on. You probably have a picture in your phone. Uh, That would be much less upsetting to look at. And if you can't do that, at least do the glossy like you know, 11 by 14 on the easel next to it. There you go. I I think that's a reasonable compromise. Agreed. Uh, But yeah, I hate this fucking storyline. It's the fucking worst. (laughs) Danny checks in with Mary about Jake and she does not want to talk about it to the point where she's like, hey, how's the new job? Talk to Ed lately? He's like, uh, uh, what? Uh, Jake, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm here to tell you to fuck off, Danny. Okay. No mention of the verdict, presuming he lost. I mean, he is a public defender, so I'm presuming he loses a lot. <laughs> and, he's, and his thing is here. I know I just walked away from the middle of our last conversation in direct confirmation of the thing you accused me of doing. What do you say we forget about that and just get married again, huh? Yeah. What if we could have that same conversation every day for the rest of our lives together? Mary considers it and formally and politely tells him to go fuck himself. Hey, Jake, you're a good guy. Fucking beat it. All the while, Danny conveniently eardropping from just a few tables away at the sports book. Mike's got a match with one of the employees that called in sick, a douchebag named Travis, and Danny confronts him by the slots and is genuinely pissed off. No joke, I think one of the best performances from Josh Duhamel, because a lot of it happens in the face and his tone of voice. Danny is seething. 
Because you yeah. see, Danny's sense of honor means that not only does he hate lying, but in his words, he hates it even more when someone takes advantage of the less fortunate. And he's going to punish Travis for this. Yeah, this was there, there was a level of personal animosity in this bus that we don't get very often with uh, our young friend Daniel, for the most part. Yeah, sometimes there's like a little tinge of game respect game. In this case, it was, I hate you. If I could kill you, I would. Instead, I'm going to have them bury you under the prison. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be weird when some additional evidence gets found about all this that's going to link you to some other stuff that you didn't do. <laughs> you know, all these other cheats and card counters that have declared an open season. I'm going to pin you with all of their shit. Yeah, that sucks, man. That's going to be bad for you. Anyway, uh, also Travis- bad for Travis is while they're chatting, Nat swings by to drop off the winnings in his slot cup. That's a real poetic kiss with which this envelope is sealed yeah travis really tried the whole a you know you're accusing me of card counting while i'm i'm playing a slot what the fuck man i even even if i was card counting the only thing you could do is kick me out so we're good and once he realizes danny is serious about putting his ass in prison he goes with the only logical play hadouken the fucking bucket of chips at danny and take off the other way Gotta have the classic foot bail through the casino. It had been too long. What we didn't get, though, was Danny's closing speed, because before Danny could really get any headway on the chase... The Green Phantom! Uh, I gotta ask, Judson, block or charge? Uh, as a... I have to remember which one's which. That is a block. His feet were moving. Oh, see, I thought he planted the feet. I thought we got a, I thought we got a good charge take there by the Green Phantom. You think so? I think so. All right, maybe. I mean... We'll check the tape, but I think we're going we're going actual video review here. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, that's charge. That's a straight charge. Yeah, he he established position. An offensive foul called. Yeah, Green Phantom saves the day, and we get a accidentally. Great, I might note. Yeah, we get a great shot of Danny just triumphantly putting his foot on Travis's chest as we go into commercial with it then dissolving into a comic book cover, which was very good. Back at the funeral, which is, again, very bad. Drag Queen Lola gets involved in the casket cat fight, pulls them away from the corpse, and then slams the casket shut in the process, sending both women home empty-handed, but not without the opportunity to trade some more verbal barbs first. Just, yeah, this wasn't great. <laughs> I'd like to reserve the balance of my closing argument for when we discuss this in the Did I Like the Episode. Du- duly noted. Danny and Mike are checking out Danny's new ride and Mike can't believe that Monica would give him a car. And Danny says, oh, that's not all she wanted to give me. Mike can't believe? Now now who's gone full Italian? I said Mike can't believe. No, you did not. Did I not? You said Mike can't believe, Danny. You know, we had the James Bond, so I was thinking international, so we're back in the old country. (laughs) Fuck me. Talk to Monica about that. Danny tells Mike... That Monica was ready to go, and Mike is very excited. He has all sorts of thoughts about Monica that he is going to very loudly and vocally share right as Monica walks in. And she is ripshit angry that Danny closed the roulette table down, but she's willing to forgive that. However, he does need to still fire these people, and oh yeah, also Mary and Delinda, for no reason. Yeah, Danny asks why he would do that, and we hear that, well, Delinda is at the line, so... You're out. And she just doesn't like Mary, which I feel like they have not really interacted anywhere near enough for that opinion to be formed. But 
okay. And also, other than you, everyone likes Mary. Like, she is, of the core cast, the most widely liked. The notion that Monica would not like her is bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, she is the most inoffensive, like, off-the-bat person there is. And this could have been fixed, because instead of being like, I just don't like her, it could have been Ed replaced my hand-chosen hotel manager with Mary, so she's out, my girl's back in. Right. Unforced error on the part of the writing room. Yeah, you know, wrong, wrong room got it that bit. It happens. Danny's in his office getting fit for his new suits. Besides, he's had enough. Kicks the tailor out of the room, places a call to Hong Kong. It's not Big Eddie's calling. It's not Steve Wynn. We know Steve Wynn's flown Ed out to Macau. It's Casey McHorsehorse. Superman is in the building. <laughs> Terrible person. You see, Danny's calling with information that the highly levered Montecito is ripe for the taking. A call that Casey says, hey, this could get you in a lot of trouble, bud. Yeah, it's a shame that Danny didn't check for the camera crew that is taking tracking shots of him <laughs> to show Monica on her TV screen in her room that to hear all of this call. I mean, if you miss the rope hanging from the ceiling, you're also going to miss a camera crew. It's just science. I mean, they're in the Montecito so often. You just you feel like they're not even there after a while. It's like a fucking uh, Big Brother set. I mean, if you get self-conscious about people filming you, I mean, come on. Yeah, you out of sight, out of mind after a while. Monica hears the whole thing, obviously, and, and Casey says, well, very interesting, Danny. I'll be in touch. And then slides over some money on the desk to a waiting, re-terrible goateed Ed the Line, who said, told you he'd call. I mean, he did say, he did tell Jillian he was going to regrow the goatee. He's a man of his word. There was a little bit of foreshadowing happens when clues in a story hint at future events. Nice. However, Casey gets to utter a phrase that I, God, I hope one day we'll get to say aloud and mean it. Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. It's a good, it's a good sentence. It's so good. God, I want it so badly. And to mean it, the impromptu fuel my jet, I'm going to Vegas. There, oh. There's no better way to live. The only way it could be better is if it's for your casino host funeral. <laughs> wait, wait, that's weird. <laughs> Speaking of, out of commercial, Sam is in the lobby with what sure does appear to be a little black book. And she's making calls to all sorts of rich people to set up new trips for them to the Montecito. Because JW asked her personally on his deathbed to take care of Insert name of whale on phone now. Mike is going to walk up and try and ask her how she got the book. Sam, of course, is not going to engage anyone in conversation. She's just keep calling her way through the book. But when she walks off, we are going to see her very expensive boots leaving a whole lot of mud on the floor. Insinuating. She is yeah, literally she a grave robber. Yeah, it's gross. What the fuck? It's gross, but honestly, it checks out with Sam pretty oh, well God. i mean doesn't it what a stupid story plot <laughs> plot line thing Anno oh. annoyance of that aside is it really shocking that sam would stoop to this level i was going to talk about this later but might as well get out of the way now she literally robbed a grave and we're supposed to be like oh sam you're so incorrigible but really would you be thinking like sam you're fucking unhinged like this is not okay <laughs> you're you're a fucking psychopath like literally it is like, it is you insane. need very real mental health assistance 
also you need to go to jail. Yeah. Like this is really bad. And it's just played off for laughs. Like, ha ha ha. Oh, Sam, what the fuck? <laughs> she, she had a traumatic childhood, man. It's going to do weird things to you, I guess. I don't know. I, I think the thing is like, if I'm just watching the show as a fan, I can sort of alight over this, but when I'm taking notes and watching with a critical eye, I'm like, first of all, this is really fucked up. Secondly, it's totally pointless. Like this is a self-contained storyline that yeah, it doesn't never go anywhere ever again. So it's just like, oh, reminder, Sam is literally a psychopath. Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> I mean, a fucking title card that just said that would have accomplished it way more efficiently. It would have been more efficient. You're not wrong there. Danny checks in on Mary, which she appreciates, but doesn't need and sends him packing when Monica's going to call up Danny on his cell phone and summon him to the roof. And this starts our musical backtrack denouement with this time, not Lola's, but an actual representation of Come Sail Away playing softly in the background. Got it. Got to say the Sticks version much better than the Lola version. Famously, Sticks greater than Lola. No doubt. Delinda and Mary are drinking champs and commiserating about how shitty their romantic lives are. And maybe Mary's going to start whoring it up like Sam and Delinda robbing graves or some shit. I don't know. I am going to be just like you and Sam. You mean super slutty? When Monica confronts Danny on the rooftop, I was like, hey, I knew about that call to Casey. You think I wouldn't find out? You bugged the office? Of course I bugged the office. And they're having a full-blown flight. Nope. Mm, that's not a Freudian yet. slip. <laughs> There is a full blown <laughs> fight about her plans for empire building when she decides to compare her laying off employees to what Danny did in Iraq when he sacrificed a few grunts. I don't know if Monica needs a defense. She does not. Or, or deserves a defense. She does not. I do not think Monica has any idea what has happened to Danny in the past. Because she just said, what, I'm sure in Iraq, y'all had to do this same thing. You you let a few grunts die for the good of the mission. Not having a clue the wound that she is picking at as Danny is just dead fucking silent. I, I don't think she knew about like the mission they got in the Silver Star. Like I, that was all we know that was all very classified. But if you tell a military veteran. Oh, it's still. And, it and, is still and, and I'm not attacking you. You tell a military veteran like. My bullshit with laying people off is the same thing as you sacrificing people under your command. You deserve what's about to happen to Monica, <laughs> which is she flies off the fucking roof. It's like, Danny, if you would just stay with me, we're going places. And thus ends the episode with the soon to be death of Monica Mancuso. Yeah, right now she's not dead. She lives to lives to see another episode because she's still just in flight right now. Yeah. Like this part's probably pretty fun if you're not thinking of how it's going to end for you. Speaking of fun, Eddie, did you like the episode? I I did. I, I think there were parts of it that were certainly better than others. And I don't disagree with anything you said earlier about Sam being completely unhinged. But Judson, I think the real question is, did you enjoy the episode? Look, yes, uh, I did. But kind of like last episode. A line and either B or C, depending on how you want to you know, think about this. But the A story and one of the secondaries was really fun, really good. I liked it. But then you've got another secondary story in there. In this case, obviously, the funeral one that I'm just like, why is this here? It's so dumb. It's not funny. It's not fun. Doesn't add anything. 
and it just sort of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But like, by and large, very good episode. Very fun. I like the stuff with the casino stuff. I like the stuff with the, you know, even though I think the heel turn was too aggressive, I think Monica and, you know, reshaping the, the Montecito and her plans. I think all that's really good. Um, Mary growing a spine and telling Jake to fuck himself. I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so all in all, a good episode. But fuck, I mean, I've just fast forward through the Sam shit if I could. Yeah. What's funny is it was such a packed episode. I mean, the first 20 minutes of it were so frenetically paced. I had to keep pausing to actually take my notes because there was too much shit right. happening to keep up with. Right. And the way that we sort of just dropped the hippie roulette story, I think you could have done more with that and and kept with the two casino floor stories and the Monica Danny stuff and all that and the Mary and Jake stuff and been totally fine without the funeral thing completely. Yeah, because you could have dr- you certainly could have drug out the roulette thing a little bit longer because when Danny close to the table, hippie's like, yeah, all right, fine. I'll see you in 30 minutes, son. I'll be back. And I think you could have done you could have done something more with that. I think there was op- there's meat on that bone. But that aside, we got to talk about our chip lead situation. So as a reminder to our audience, current winner, Mary, second place, Danny, then Delinda, Monica, Sam, Ed and Mike. And what I'd like to suggest, Eddie, is I have no idea what to do here. Well, let's do let's we take this fucking blow it up and start over again. <laughs> no, let's let's take this piece at a time, because I think we can work this out. Should we just should we just go down the order? Well, I, I think we we take the easy ones where we can get them. Monica okay. goes to last because she's about to come crashing down. Okay, well, so here's my question. She's about to be dead, but currently she's not. To your point, she's still in the very fun stage of flying off a building. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, she's she's not only she lasts, she's off the table. Like, yeah. We we have enjoyed your presence in the game, Monica, as short and fleeting as it was, but sadly. You went all in, I, which she did. Didn't work out. Busted. Yeah. Adios. Uh, seventh place in the cat, finishing in the cash, but leaving the tournament. Monica Mincuso. So that takes care of our easy one. I think Sam law. Here's the thing. We both hated Sam's arc, but she objectively got a dub here. She robbed a grave. Successfully. I don't think this is an easy one. Keep going. That's fair. All right. Mary, I think we have a well-established precedent that when you lose a relationship, that is a downgrade. I think yep. we are both proud of Mary for for getting out of what seemed like a bad relationship. Well, not a bad relationship in that Jake was mean or something. It was just a non-existent relationship. Correct. Keeping with the poker construct here. She was behind in the hand and she folded. She lost chips, but it was a good fold and it will set her up better for the future. But you still lost chips. Sorry, Mary. D lost chips for getting roped into and being a part of all the funeral bullshit. Yeah, but I would say relatively few because all she did was waste a day. Right. It's not a bad loss, but it's a of of if people are going up or down, I think she is also going down. But see, I think this is where it's going to be an issue of relative performance, because it's like there's a ghost player at the table, because I think there's a net loss of chips. I don't disagree. What there is somebody out there. The the house is taking a rake of huge proportions of this episode. 
Well, and, and that gets to my next question. What do you do with Danny on this episode? Because I know I what mean, argument I'd make, but I don't feel great about it. I think he lost ships basically throughout the entire episode. Uh, he had he had moments where like things were looking up. But with Monica gone, he's not getting them suits. He's not getting that Aston Martin. He's probably not going to keep his job for much longer. And he's about to be accused of murder. Like if we're going to if we're going to say Monica is off the table because she's dead, we have to also consider the fact that Danny was last seen having a fight with her on the roof. And that's where I was going to come at it from. I, I wasn't ready to say that he is losing all of the things that he had gotten because maybe he's able to keep some of that. Once he gets past the obvious murder investigation, where he is clearly going to be the number one candidate. And then we've got Mike, who is a creep and about to get pseudo demoted, assuming he ever got promoted in the first place. But, you know, I mean, what? I guess he broke even. I'd, I'd say Mike was pretty much a break even because he while he was somewhat creepy, it was not even Mike levels of creepiness. No, he's not. We're not hitting him with the mic drop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I see what I did there. It was good. God, it's even worse when I do it to myself. I know, right? That's the title of your sex tape, by the way. <laughs> that was a good one. And then there's Ed, who I think it's very clear did gain chips here. Yeah, I think especially if we're if we're allowing ourselves to look forward to things that have already been set in motion by this episode, Ed's on his way back. Here's the problem, though. We've got Ed as being the only gainer of chips. Mike breaking even, and they were going into this our bottom two. Yeah. So what the fuck? Okay, so Mary lost chips. Danny lost chips. Delinda lost a little bit, but I think relative to Mary and Danny, she had a better episode. Mm. I don't think she lost nearly as many chips as they did. She wasted a day at a funeral, which everyone who goes to a funeral is by their very nature wasting their day. <laughs> Except for the person who's dead. True. They're, they are out of days to waste. Um... Aside from our, you know, you can't lose a relationship and gain chips. Do we really think Mary lost that many chips? Uh, no. I, I think between, I mean, we've we've seen. But she's, she's also now hemorrhaging cash for having moved into the Montecito on a non-comptor room. Mm, yeah, there is that. She's losing literal chips. You would think it's hotel manager. She could probably fudge that. She, it's got like. Or at least like a employee discount. <laughs> nice rack like she's rate. Paying, she's paying cost. Yeah, she's not on the rack rate. Okay, so maybe it goes Mary Delinda. I mean, I think Danny definitely fell past Delinda. Because we're assuming he's about to be murder suspect number one. Yeah, and no longer president of operations. Yeah. I, and not get the Aston Martin and not get the suits. Yeah, okay. I can go with that. And and it's going to take the $4 million L on the P&L for like the five days he was president of operations. And people will be like, it'll be like, hey guys, that wasn't my fault. That was Monica's call. And they'll be like, oh, so that's why you shoved her off the roof. What? No, that's not what I meant. Hang on. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to throw something out there and just, just try it on. Okay. Mary, Delinda, Danny, Ed, Mike, Sam, Monica. I like it. I can live with that. And this will, I think, formally be Monica's is... Finished in the clubhouse, seventh place, exiting the tournament. So this is a, a series wrap for Monica Mancuso. Thank you so much for coming. You're great. I will say when we started talking about her in the first part of the season, I was like, God, I don't remember her being this bad. I really liking the character. It's these last two episodes. Yeah. Her first six, give or take. I think she was in all of the first six. I know she wasn't in 
seven because that was the throwback episode. Right. But of the ones she was in before these last two, she was fantastic. Took a week off, had some nachos and came back as a completely different character. (laughs) And this character sucks. This character is horrible. Well, good news is you don't have to worry about her anymore. Bad news is I think Monica of early in the season is somebody I would have liked to have seen more of. She was a lot of fun. It could have been a really compelling move, go forward character, but alas. But alas. At a segment we do sometimes on the show is, did somebody do Vegas exceptionally well? And I would like to argue somebody did. Go on. Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. I don't care that he's not in Vegas yet. If your trip to Vegas starts with an impromptu fueling of your PJ, you're doing Vegas great. I mean, that is very hard to argue with it the the not being in vegas does make it hard to do vegas right but the logic is sound judson i'm willing to go with it give it to him excellent well superman wheel yourself onto your plane because i know you can't walk get yourself to vegas because you're doing it exceptionally well (laughs) do you have any advice for our dear audience kids Monica may be leaving us, but she gave us an important lesson at the end. If you weigh, I don't know, less than 100 pounds, I would probably advise you don't wear an outfit that's basically a wingsuit and then go up on the roof of a very tall building. I mean, that is very sound advice. I do think it is pretty funny, given how nitpicky we are, that we glossed right over the physics of her being blown off the roof. It was a hilarious visual. I mean, if I don't know if that happens, even if you're wearing an actual wingsuit, much less just a flowery silken dress that has wing panels. Well, it was it was really windy, Judson. (laughs) It was exceptionally windy. It's a very tall building. Just thank God Christopher Reeves wasn't there. (laughs) He could have really hurt himself. He wouldn't have felt it. Unless he landed on his head. (laughs) I I would argue that he probably probably would not feel feel that. that. Oh, God. Well, (laughs) when we're debating whether or not a quadriplegic can feel pain, we know it's time to bring this one in for a landing. Ed, what do we have on tap for next time? Next time on Pod at the Montecito for sale by owner. How is sales spelled? S-A-I-L. Oh, it's a pun. Yeah, because she's sailing. A hostile takeover bid has the Montecito crew scrambling to save their casino. Meanwhile, Mike finds his pockets empty when he's mugged by a thug. And Delinda is lovestruck by a blind man with a secret past. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. Have you not ever seen that? No. It is amazing. It's the, the first one is good. The second one is what fucking kills me. Oh my God, that's so good. I don't know that I actually have very strong memory about this episode. The only thing I remembered off the top of my head is I feel like how the thing with the blind guy works out and it not being good. I seem to recall there being something about Monica crashed through like uh, Jimmy Choo or a uh, Manola Blahnik store and they're being like high heel puns or something. Yeah. Like, I think, were, she, were they having a sale? I think something? that's I think that's how we open the episode. 
but that's really all I remember of it. So we'll, we'll give it a listen. Hopefully uh, what, what you're remembering is not as bad as we think it is. And it turns out to be uh, a return to form of the earlier season three episodes. Here's hoping. In the meantime, thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks, of course, to the various people who continue to not sue us. Please leave us a review. Five stars. If you don't feel like typing, just give us five stars. I think you can do this on Spotify now. I couldn't figure out how, so I don't know how I could reasonably expect other people <laughs> to figure it out. But if you feel like it, I mean, hey, uh, reviews, five stars, those are all helpful things. Remember, you can uh, reach out to us if you want to play uh, Baccarat with us. You don't have to worry about setting up a Patreon account. You can just PayPal us 10 grand each, and uh, we will definitely play up to one standard hour of Baccarat with you at the casino of our choosing, but you will also have to bankroll us. On top of the 10 grand each. Well, yeah. It's complicated. Um, well, I mean, it's very simple. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's, it's actually not that complicated. It's just extremely expensive. And spoiler, not worth your money. But hey, you might be rich. This might be a rounding error for you. I don't know. It is an experience like none other. So just think of it that way. Think of it this way. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. They could make, I don't know what to get my loved one. Don't clutter up your house with more bullshit. Give them something experiential. Give them the gift of playing Baccarat with two idiots they've never heard of. Because <laughs> nothing says Valentine's like overpriced flowers and wasted money on Baccarat. That is what they say. Feel free to engage with us on Twitter at Montecito Pod. Use the hashtag Las Vegas or Peacock. 2022 is our year. It's coming. I can feel it. We hope because, you know, it's off to such a great start. While you're on Twitter, feel free to get at Peacock. Tell them what they need to do. Please do make sure you leave James LeSure out of it. He is, especially now that he's getting demoted back to second in command and security, not interested in your bullshit. Mm-hmm. So leave my man alone. Email us, pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Eddie, can you can clear up any at confusion they might have? Letter at then symbol at. Wait a minute. There's also when we say engage with us on Twitter at Montecito pod. Is that one symbols or letters? That one is in fact a symbol. And the hashtag, is that a symbol or letters? You, you mean hashtag itself? Correct. Uh, that That is the symbol, hashtag, but it is the number four in the middle there. Our social media manager needs to really streamline some shit. It's very confusing. Uh, you know, we're, we're bound by the tools of the platform. You know, and in the email, we say .com. We don't mean D-O-T-C-O-M. We do mean the, the period. It is the year of our Lord 2022. We figure that our, our listeners listening to a podcast on the internet have, have been around the internet long enough to figure some of these out. True, but I just, did just go full boomer with our, our admission that we cannot figure out how Spotify reviews work, so glass houses and whatnot. Yeah. But hey, we've had a blast. Hope you have had a blast as well. I would really stop and think that one through. It's getting late. <laughs> but until next time, I've been Judd, he's been Ed, and this has been Pod at the Montecito. Yes, She's been trying to call Mary, but hasn't gotten an answer. And are oh, Mary McCarthy? What the fuck? <laughs> hey, Mary, welcome to the podcast. Chill the fuck out, Apple Watch.